0: Texas talking, you what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking,
1: tell me who can you trust when Texas wants art Texas doesn't love Texas talking.
2: Did you know that the arts generate $5.1 billion for the Texas economy? Or that at-risk high school students who complete more than one art class are half as likely to drop out? I'm Jennifer Ransom Rice, Executive Director of the Texas Cultural Trust. These are just two of many powerful statistics we have unveiled in the 2015 State of the Arts Report. Improve your knowledge of the impact of the arts by visiting txculturaltrust.org. But first, listen to this podcast hosted by the culturally sophisticated and artistically talented Reeve Hamilton. Thank you.
0: This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TribCast for the first week of February. I am joined by Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Editor Emily Ramshaw, hi there, and reporter Nina Satija, hey, Reeve, and uh, hopefully we can have a pretty calm Tribcast. Things have a way of getting away from us, though, like last Thursday, which was Texas Muslim Capital Day, and it turned into one of the more surprising days of the legislative session so far. No one, the lawmakers were not here, more or less, but um, it sort of blew up. There were protesters, and there was a controversial Facebook post from state representative molly white which i guess i'll read and then we can sort of dive into it sure go for it yeah. okay. yes
2: do it please do a dramatic reading actually i'd like do you, you to use it? a woman's
0: voice no I, i'm asking you I to read use it. a woman's voice she she posted i did leave an israeli flag on the reception desk in my office with instructions to staff to ask representatives from the muslim community to renounce islamic terrorist groups and publicly announce allegiance to america and our laws we will see how long they stay in my office how was that
2: that was uh, not good, definitely a woman's voice <laughs> right, uh, all right, and so Nina, who 's here with us, actually had the first interview with her after these uh, comments, which really blew up on social media what What was she trying to say?
3: Well, you know, I got some different versions for her from her on that, but uh, you know her her main explanation is that this is all about the organizer of Texas Muslim Capital Day, which has been organized by the way since two thousand and three. Um, And that is without incident, I believe that's what at least that's what we've reported and that's what we've been told. Um, The Council on American Islamic Relations, am I saying that correctly, CARE, Mm -hmm. Um, they have several offices in Texas. They organize Texas Capitol Muslim Day or Texas Muslim Capital Day. I'm sorry. We're going to do that repeatedly throughout this tripcast. That's right. I'm I'm not going to correct myself every time. I'll try to get it right. TMCD. Um, Let's just call it Muslim Day. Yes. They organize Muslim Day at the Capitol. Thursday. (laughs) <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> they organize Thursdays at the Capitol, um, and Which it's really just a—you know—it's just—it's it's really a harmless event. You've just got—you know—they're trying to get the Muslim community involved in state politics and in the legislature, and to have them come to the Capitol and talk about, you know, what they'd like to see their lawmakers do. Um, Largely, students and children. Well, and, and, yeah. and, and
1: this is pretty normal. I mean, we had, you know, we'll have had—you know—we'll have yesterday was Thursday, community, we'll community College, we'll have day. Community day. Colleges. Mm-hmm. We'll have—you know—every every group.
0: Today know? is uh, University of A and M University and of Texas.
2: Day. You know, yeah. so
1: they'll show up in um red and orange sport coats that'll be the people from southeast texas i mean this yes. goes on we all had sessions, the motorcycle
3: right? folks red you know yeah. it's yeah Jackson um County. so that's kind of a normal thing and you know representative white's take is that this didn't bother her until she found out that care was sponsoring or sorry, not sponsoring but organizing this event um you know and she mentioned that care has been designated by the united arab emirates as one of 82 terrorist organizations so right. that and, and red sort of like an,
0: her. but in opposition. I mean, no one else has really characterized that. No one right,
3: else has. and Including, and obviously, including including the United States, States doesn't see this at all. Which was, she would like group.
0: them to be pledging allegiance to in her office. I right.
3: did ask her about that. I said, do you know if the U.S. State Department does designate them as terrorists? She said, I don't know. We'll have to look at the State Department. But she she made a lot of the fact that a, you know, what she called an Islamist country, the UAE, you know, made this designation. But, you know, yeah, it was a very bizarre designation and, you know, no one seems to really understand why they have done that. Many Western European countries and the U.S. have asked the UAE why they made that designation. I
2: mean, this would have made sense if it was Terrorist Texas Capitol Day, right? And she was like, you know, I don't want – if terrorists come to my office, I expect them to say that they denounce terrorism and pledge allegiance to the United States. But she was speaking broadly about Muslims. her comments
0: comments on Facebook that day were not at all – specific. They to don't care. talk about care. neither was her follow up on Facebook. Neither was That's her right. clarifying statement that she put out to the media, which basically mm-hmm. just said she clarified that she renounces terrorism. And it was like, well, no one really thought that you were yeah. pro-terrorism. It was not clear what she was trying to clarify.
2: And even in her interview no with, with Nina, care. where she says this is really this is really about, you know, this particular group. She goes on to say, you know, uh, Islam is is basically like not simpatico with, you know, uh, with our culture in
3: this country. Yes, that's right. So I think that, you know, I think her comments go beyond care. Um, I think she wanted to, you know, her her goal in the interview was to tell me that her comments were about care. But, you know, I, I don't think that based on our interview it doesn't seem like that's all they were about but she um, also
0: said that you know she's like well i didn't realize that everyone was going to read this i thought i was just going to my constituents which is just sort of like oh i thought i was just saying these offensive things to a small group of people
3: yes i do think she was caught by surprise you know she's an interesting person she's a freshman state representative um she was an anti-abortion activist before getting elected to the legislature and there's somewhat of a learning curve for her here um you know in trying to sort of realize that what she says is now going to be looked at by everybody and it's going to be scrutinized by everybody. On the other hand, her, you know, her Facebook page is obviously a public page and you know she knew that it wasn't only I don't for think she's accustomed district.
1: to being listened to at this level. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, I I think it was interesting to see how how, you know, top elected officials either responded or didn't respond. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Joe Strauss made one of the stronger statements I've seen on this where, you know, there were there were protests going on outside the Capitol. And Joe Strauss, the speaker's statement was not about the protests. His statement was, you know, basically legislators shouldn't behave in ways that make people feel uncomfortable coming to the Capitol, which was pretty pointed. uh, You know, a speaker scolding one of his new members. Um, I didn't see a word from Dan Patrick in the Senate on this. And, you know, Greg Abbott's statement on this, he, he didn't release a statement. Came in the next day. Yeah, he was asked about it by reporters, you know, at a press conference. And he gave some sort of, like, you know, rambling statement about, uh, you know, about people feeling comfortable and about First civil Amendment discourse. rights and uh, civil mm-hmm. discourse. Yeah. But that really did nothing specific. Which I, do
0: wonder, I do wonder if you just say civil discourse, if it is a way of saying, like, well, let's keep our offensive comments, let's say them more politely. Yeah. You know.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. some of this, you know, the capitals a fighting box. Right. I mean, we we set this up so that people can have a place to debate and say all of these things. We exempt them from libel and slander law while they're in there so that they can have these arguments and everything, you know, hopefully without guns and swords and all of those kinds of things. And, and you shouldn't be surprised when sharp language and sharp stuff comes out of there. But they
0: shouldn't be surprised when we all react to it. Uh, you know, it's um, and we should say that we should make a distinction between. Uh, Representative White's comments on Facebook and the protests that happened, mm-hmm. which were yes. different things. I mean, maybe symptoms of a similar, you know, mindset, but uh, different groups and different things.
2: Yeah. I mean, you've got, you know, students and children out there in front of the Capitol for this Muslim Capitol Day. And then you have protesters, you know, holding signs and you know, sign totally xenophobic.
0: Said, Radical Islam is the new Nazi. Right. When they clearly mean... The new Nazism.
2: One of these protesters ran up and you know grabbed the microphone away from one of the Muslim folks there. You know, speaking. It was a disgusting spectacle. Although she is an sure. interesting
0: character, she is apparently that woman who sort of grabbed the microphone. Is not a Texan. She's sort of a roving, it's sort of a roving anti, yeah, right? She just Muslim goes around protester. being outraged at stuff. Yeah. And
2: right. it was a small protest, as these they were loud and you know gross but they were it was a relatively small protest
1: well but it's one of those things too where you know everybody looking at texas sees one no two things no three things that's a trend
0: yeah right, right?
1: it's another texas story
0: well it's also you have to be when you are, when you are a lawmaker people do see your words and it's sort of like if this is the sort of thinking you're putting out there mm-hmm. this is how it can manifest itself right i mean you know
3: and, and she was elected by right. the you, are, you are so. a
0: representative
1: so now you know wait a minute what do you represent right. mm. but
2: this is also not an isolate i mean this incident was the first time it's happened this session but there this is not an isolated incident i mean you know dan patrick the lieutenant governor as a senator uh, you know ruffled feathers by walking out of of um, you know muslim prayers twice before the senate uh, you know we had sid miller the agriculture commissioner make some comments i can't remember exactly what his comments yeah, were yeah that was
3: actually just in uh, january mm-hmm. just last month and he basically Basically said, oh, he's worried for his grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, he's worried. Are we going to become <clears throat> a socialist country? Are we becoming a Muslim country? Was what he said. which right. was At the same an interesting time. Comment. At- at the same time at separate times. one or, one
2: or the other anything he's worried that his grandkids grandkids might live in a Muslim country, um, you know and I think Debbie Riddle has, has said some stuff on the state representative has said some stuff on on Facebook you know there was a she was interacting with a young man I believe who was originally from from Pakistan and she wrote some comment you know you should go back to Afghanistan you know I mean it, this so this is not there. Yeah, like Ross was just saying, that once is an isolated incident, but you start to get a pattern of this stuff and people look at Texas and think, what the hell?
3: Right. Which is amazing because we have, I believe, you know, more than 400,000 Muslims who live in Texas, you know, at least. Right. Um, we've got a huge Muslim population here.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but it's it's interesting, though, what some people choose to comment on and what they don't. The House Republican Caucus uh, came down pretty hard, put out a really strong statement about this blog – on um, agenda wise which but they did not put out a big statement about this other stuff, I know Strauss did, mm-hmm. but uh, right you
1: you, know, you have to you know when right. you do and don 't take public offense is also a kind of a statement
2: right, so the Republican caucus basically says we 're going to take a public stand on misogyny, but we 're not going to take a public stand on xenophobia or mistreatment of Muslims at the capitol. I thought that was interesting
0: right we should we should back up. the blog is on this so it 's a conservative blog that 's tied to i mean it 's a group of Sort of, uh, I don't know how you would describe them.
1: It's tied to Texans for Economic Freedom and Empower Texans. And uh, these are the two, or two are they like to... the organizations that um, Michael Quinn Sullivan and Tim Dunn have been involved in and have um, gotten a lot of static about. They're sort of in the active part of the Republican Party. One of them is a policy arm, one of them is a political arm. There's a big um, fight going on in court over whether um, they're lobbying and ought to be registered. You know, they play in elections sort of a noisy part of the Republican
0: and, active you know of, and, and, and when it, when agenda wise sort of causes them trouble they distance themselves from it but they all sort of Michael Quinn Sullivan is on sort of their board and they office over there they did at one point and they all spun out of there That's kind of how we react when you write stuff. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But they're also – I mean, they're people that like traffic and sort of the lowest sort of classless behavior, I will say. they like buy up reporters' domain names if they write stories they don't like, including mine. (laughs) So I'm a little bit bitter about that. You should have bought your own domain name. That's true. They wrote a a post uh, about political chastity, which was a a concept maybe that they coined. I don't know. But – Here's, a, here's an excerpt from it but I'll do in a woman's voice.
2: Wait, no, this one is written in a man's voice, obviously.
0: I'll do the same voice. <laughs> Believe it or not, Austin has actual political whores. They don't think of themselves that way, but others do, and that is what they are. They may be a disgrace to their families, but they are rife in Austin. In their minds, they are just being, quote-unquote, liberated women, only they are professionally rewarded for being, quote-unquote, liberated in the vicinity of men with crucial intelligence or strategic access to power.
1: No, I was it, sort of with him until he got to gender. Yeah. <laughs> now, there are some political whores around yeah. that. That's actually true. I think that's demonstrable. I think you can right. prove that.
0: <laughs> We've talked about them here on this podcast. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this caused sort of actually less uh, widespread outrage, more sort of in the bubble internal uh, outrage. Well, but the uh, House Republican caucus did come down on and say, like, this is not acceptable.
1: I actually didn't know about it until the reaction.
3: Neither did I.
2: Well, yeah. I think there was, you know, a reaction among the, the media because largely this is an insinuation that there are sort of, you know, illicit relationships going on between members of the media and members of either the legislature or legislative staff or the lobby. But, but the whole theme is that these, you know, lecherous women are preying on these defenseless men. And, you know, these poor men who, you know, have no uh, sort of moral standards are allowing this sort of interrelation to happen that's sort of you know watering down the whole pool i okay, mean it's, roger
1: corman movie poster
0: at alamo draft yeah
2: it's the whole thing you look i mean most of what agenda wise writes is very eye-rolly obviously when it's spelled right Right. But, you know, this is particularly disgusting, and misogynistic. And I mean, I think, you know, again, if it got the Republican caucus to respond and women in the Republican caucus to say, you know, what the hell <laughs> and who's endorsing this? Right. Um, you know, I think it was. And that's the line that Reeve read is just one line out of many well, sorry, that. Of lines. Yeah, all right. Fine. The phrase, <laughs> whatever, either way, the se- the segment, the chapter. <laughs>
0: um, what, what do you think it says that they the. The caucus decided to denounce that and not sort of. Comment they wanted on the to other disown thing. it, you know.
1: They wanted to, you know. It was I, I think part of it is it's perceived as a, you know, um, it's perceived as a activist group and a newsletter that you know is in harmony to a large extent with some part of the Republican Party and with some part of the legislature. And you know they saw that and went, we don't want any part of that. Let's make that clear. And so you know I think they did that. I, I think the Molly White stuff looked like, you know, Molly White going off kind of on her own and I don't think that they it it just looks to me like they decided that didn't reflect so much on all of them as it did on her and so they didn't really need to denounce it I you know I sound like I'm spinning
0: yeah no but with this is, I mean are these data points you're starting to see this thing where since we really have what Evan likes to say we have Sort of three parties in Texas. You have the Republican Party, the you know the Tea Party, and then the Democratic Party. Right. And you're starting to see. There's always been that sort of tension between the Republican Party and the Tea Party. But it seems more and more. You have these things where uh, members of the Republican Party that are considered very conservative uh, are starting to be like, "Well, hold on, hold on. Let's not get out of control here." Like you had Perry in his state of the state address said, uh, "My message to my party is." Do not uh, work uh, together. Yeah, yeah, work with the Democrats. What he said don't don't put purity over um, something. <laughs> Apparently it was very, very memorable. Yeah, right. And then they all started singing Kumbaya. It was yeah. great. It was very heartwarming. But you, so know, you have that. You have Strauss come, uh, making a statement about Molly White's thing. You have the Republican caucus saying this thing about agenda-wise. I, mean, uh, I you're starting to well, get people say like, guys. Well, last session,
3: too, with the whole budget debate and how much – you know, I mean, that, that's – but this seems different to me. I mean, well, you have Jeff Leach,
2: I think, was one of the lawmakers who was actually quoted in that uh, House Republican caucus press release, right? Mm-hmm. I think we oh, may have uh, it.
0: Yeah, it was uh, – a. Cindy Burkett, uh, Jeff Leach, Jody Lobbenberg. I mean, these are not – these are very, very conservative lawmakers. Well, know? and, you know,
1: you can see little pieces of this along the way. So there was the moment when Joe Strauss was reelected and some of the people – Jeff Leach is what made me think of it. Some of the people who spoke for Scott Turner, who was challenging Joe Strauss and who voted for Scott Turner – Jeff Leach is an example, but he's not the only one – were really careful to be um, – not really argumentative about it. I mean, they said, you know, basically, look, I'm for Scott Turner, but I'm not against Joe Strauss. You know, it was a let's agree, let's let's disagree agreeably. And you've got this other group that always wants to disagree disagreeably. I'd put agenda wise there, and and some of those groups, and and I think there's some distance there. This whole session is going to be about the split in the Republican Party, I think, to some extent. The Republicans have 98 members of the 150 member House. They have. 20 members of the 31 member Senate, you know, Dan Patrick kind of exemplifies one end of the political spectrum in the Republican Party, Joe Strauss, the other end, Greg Abbott's going to have to, you know, settle the jump balls and and we'll figure out how that goes. But I, I, you know, I think these are going to be recurring themes. And part of this is content. Part of this is style. And I think, you know, you, you see some people on both sides saying, let's get rid of the style differences and let's get rid of the, you know, let's all just try to agree disagreeably. I think that's where you're seeing some of the splits you're talking about.
0: You want me to read a Jeff Leach quote in uh, my female voice? Yeah, yes. go for it. It is shocking that in the year 2015, there are individuals that think so little of women and their invaluable impact on and contributions to our society. It's from Jeff Leach.
2: Mm. It's a nice thing to say. <laughs> I mean, I I just am still, you know shocked that in this day and age, people can write the kind of hateful, hateful you know, drivel about women. I mean, that's just, it, it is stunning to me that in 2015, there are still people who feel that way. And frankly, boy, they give a whole lot of credit to the power of a woman. <laughs> you know, if men are
0: really this big of, you know, pawns this in This is their why plan. we shouldn't give men access to, uh, you know, strategic information. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's move on from... Outrage to what's actually being done in the Capitol. Uh but outrage is so (laughs) much more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh we're starting to get a sense of, of the governor's plans for some of Perry's uh pet programs. Uh specifically the Emerging Technology Fund looks to be going away. Uh his his proposal is to do away with that and make a university research fund. Does this come as a surprise to anyone?
1: No, he said during the campaign he wanted to get he didn't want to be in the business of picking winners and losers, and he also said, but I don't want to give up our, um, I don't want to do a unilateral disarmament against the other states. So, you know, there are several of these funds. He's talking about keeping one of them in particular um, to encourage economic development.
0: That's the Enterprise Fund. Right. It Looks like it's still um, around, and he's <clears throat> moving part
2: of those emerging technology dollars to the Enterprise Fund.
1: Right. So, you know, he's going to concentrate on that and, and make that. You know, it sounds like make that look more like other states' programs. And then he kind of laid down, you know, this was interesting, you know, his first veto threat. He said if this budget comes back without a reduction in the business margins tax, I'll veto it. Now, the Senate has already left, I think, a billion dollars in its budget or set aside a billion dollars in its proposed budget for a reduction of the margins tax. I think a lot of people would like to get rid of the margins tax altogether, but I don't think they can afford it this time. So – but, you know, a lot of Republicans, including the governor, said during the campaign – Dan Patrick did too. I think Joe Strauss has talked about it. Um, let's reduce this margins tax. And they could do that by either raising the size of a business that doesn't have to pay it, so you'd free a bunch of businesses and you'd only you'd only tax the large businesses, or by changing the rates that they charge the businesses now. Um, but he wants some relief.
0: And I think the move to make it a university research fund, or at least a portion of the money that was in it, sort of is – an ongoing signal of sort of he is setting up to be at least seemingly right now a pretty friendly governor to higher ed I Mm -hmm. mean you know Perry probably was not as unfriendly as people that said he was unfriendly gave him a rap for obviously he signed he wanted
2: cheap degrees
0: yeah and he signed but he also signed the bill to you know create the tier one race which Mm -hmm. put millions of dollars into higher education and tried to elevate universities and but Abbott has really come in and uh, you know appointed some some regions that look to be fairly friendly to the university administrations, and uh, uh, and he's called for a lot of money. He's called for Hazelwood, the Hazelwood exemptions, to be fully funded, so the university is not losing millions by giving free tuition to uh, veterans and their kids. He's put this money, said this money should go to re- university research. He's put a little more money into uh, into his uh, the, just their general budget. Let, let me put you on the spot a little bit because oh, we I mentioned
1: because we mentioned you mentioned the community college people. Hitting the Capitol the other day. Um, they always seem to get to the end of the session sitting on the benches outside the House and the Senate waiting for the conference committee to please give them a penny or two. Um, is is that changing any of you think?
0: I, well, I think that's still to be seen. They've actually they've done okay in recent years. Obviously, there was that incident a couple sessions ago where the budget came out and four community colleges had their budgets zeroed out. Right. And that became a big issue. Uh, it was ultimately resolved, and they right. got their money. Uh, the community college has their relationship like with the coordinating board, and they worked pretty well with the powers that be last session because they agreed to do what's sort of called outcomes-based funding. They, and, uh, you know, they have their own system to do it. And the, the Perry and the higher Ed commissioner had really been pushing that for a long time, and they still have not been able to get it for the universities. But the community colleges came and said, we'll do it. And that put them on sort of a friendly uh Stance mm-hmm. and and so I think that they've they've been okay recently and you know we'll see how it goes. But Abbott, it sounds like he's pretty university centric at the moment. So mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, I think it sounded like Community College Day went pretty well. You know, every every lawmaker basically has a community college in their backyard, right? So, which is pretty good for their politics, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. What else? Abbott also said that he wants to maintain. Film incentive funding, which is one thing that, uh, you know, some people in Austin had been worried about.
1: Texas has this thing going. You know, the Dallas Buyers Club was filmed in Louisiana, you know, uh, because. So is that
0: upcoming movie, Don't Mess With Texas.
1: Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Where are we not messing with? Where where did they (laughs) they shoot it? I guess they didn't really, they really didn't want to mess with Texas. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But Texas isn't competitive. I mean, it's basically how that goes. And you can make an argument, you know, and and some have. You can make an argument, well, if the other states are going to pay them, let them. Um, you can also make an argument. Well, the state pays them, but the benefits of having those movies made here and all of the related lots of economic jobs. development yeah. um, is worth is worth the money that you throw into it. Abbott seems to be in the in the second camp.
2: Yeah, I have a conflict of interest on that topic. <laughs> She's not going to say anything. As,
0: husband in Louisiana, making <clears throat> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> As the spouse of a filmmaker.
0: <laughs> You, you would prefer that he stay home, I would imagine, I would and, absolutely. Do, and clean the house. Yeah,
2: right. I definitely don't want him in Louisiana.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, other things have also gotten a lot of scrutiny lately. Obviously, the public integrity unit is, is being looked at. Well,
1: you know, they haven't really started up the legislature yet. So, the, you know, there's always that bang at the beginning where they come in and, you know, everybody takes the oath. And then several weeks where they haven't even named committees, you know, and – and they haven't. They can't consider bills for the most part for the first 60 days. And so the conversation centers on the budget. And the Senate has started its hearings because they're the only uh, legislative body so far that has a appropriations or finance committee. Um, so they've started hearings over there, and they've and those have turned kind of screw by screw through. Um, contracting through Public Integrity Unit mm-hmm. through some of the hot button issues that I think the legislature is going to deal with. The Public Integrity Unit is um that part of the Travis County District Attorney's office that handles cases involving the state. Most of them are insurance and tax fraud cases, but a small percentage of them, I think they said 5 to 8%, mm-hmm. are ethics cases involving state officials. Public corruption, right? right. Public corruption. But, um, but
0: there's this new twist in the right cuz um Nelson, Senator Nelson, the Senate Finance Chair, right. has, had basically said – well, let's look at where to place this public integrity unit. Maybe it shouldn't be in Travis County, so it's not a bunch of Democrats electing the
2: yeah, I mean, head she, of it. Right. They won't say that this is necessarily about Democrats, but they don't believe, a lot of Republicans don't believe that the public integrity unit should be within the Travis County DA's office anymore. You know, they've talked about either moving it all together or zeroing out the funding. Right. Um, you saw Greg Cox, who's the head of the public integrity unit, coming to testify before Senate Finance this week, you know, basically saying, these are all the cases, we've had to drop all these cases as a result of Rick Perry's veto in the 2013 session.
0: But didn't he also say, and this is sort of the twist I was getting as that, sort of you can take the jurisdiction out of the public integrity unit, but you can't sort of take their ability to go after no, you law. You can take the thing. money out of it, but mm-hmm. you can't
1: take the jurisdiction out okay, of it. Right. All the, all these cases, What's all, the venue? Yeah, Some of these cases belong in Travis County because that's the seat of state government. Right. Interestingly, they're having another fight exactly the opposite of this in Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, they're all, so of, the, backwards all, all Oklahoma. of the DAs can prosecute these cases. So huh. in Texas, this would be you know 254... Counties, each having their own jurisdiction, and each you know prosecuting whatever cases they wanted to prosecute from the state government, and Oklahoma has that kind of a system, and they're going, whoa, Nellie, let's go back and just have this in one place. So let's put it in Oklahoma County, um, which is their capital city county. So they're they're building a centralized public integrity unit. For the same reason Texas did it all those years ago.
2: I believe it was at that committee with State Senator Joan Huffman who said that she was under the understanding that the legislature could basically write that jurisdiction into any place it wanted.
0: Right. 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 But, it's, but they can't get rid of it entirely because – a lot of the stuff they're looking at, right? In if you can County. show, I
1: mean, constitutionally, if you can show that a crime took place in your jurisdiction, it's yours, right? It might also be somebody else's, but you have a you have a bite at right. it, right? Which
2: has been this whole question over, you know, Ken Paxton, who uh, the Attorney General, who was you know being reviewed by the Travis County DA's office. They basically said, eh, we don't think there's anything for us here, but that doesn't mean that the other counties couldn't.
1: Yeah, this stems from his... This is not from
0: that time he took that pen and then gave it back.
1: No, this stems from, uh, although that's a (laughs) Collin County case, Um, this stems from the uh, thing that came up during the campaign where he was representing some legal clients and referred them to, I I guess was doing some... He was uh, supposed to register with the state securities board. Referred them to a particular investment outfit and... Was not a licensed agent. That's the securities violation. And, and he sort of got a finder's and, fee, and right? didn't disclose to – right. And and didn't disclose apparently to his clients, which is an issue with the state bar and with the state law license. But the Travis County DA said, you know, it didn't happen here. It's not ours. He wasn't AG at that time. And it wasn't a state function. It was his private stuff. It's probably a Colin or, or Dallas County case. So they punted
2: I believe Christy Hoppy at the Dallas Morning News reported that uh, one of those two counties, maybe Dallas, said it was not gonna it was not pursuing anything. and Colin had sort of no comment. Right. it
0: sounds like he's fairly out of the woods now
1: well, this may or may not be a case, but you know the one he of paid the arguments, a fine
2: you know well
1: yeah one of the arguments about he paid a fine and he and you know the voters arguably knew all about it and mm-hmm. said, oh, we don't mind so um, but this is one of the arguments about local prosecutors if you have a, a political case and someone has someone is in Austin serving a community where they are particularly politically strong what are the chances of them getting prosecuted at home well why don't we put that prosecution at the seat of government which is not accountable to all of those local political concerns and the problem with that is that it's not accountable to all of those local political concerns and so you get this you end up with a state like Texas that's a very republican state And all of these are being prosecuted
0: in one of its most liberal counties. And that's the Republicans don't like it. Take note, Oklahoma. (laughs) Uh, If if anyone has any questions or comments about Oklahoma, about Oklahoma, about anything Ross just said, because I was honestly pretty zoned out for most of it. Uh, (laughs) Practicing his voice. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) If anyone has any impression tips for me. Uh, send, them, send your questions and comments to tribcast at texastribune.org We would like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music I'm hoping to go catch them at Green Hall on Valentine's Day, I think
2: How romantic
0: I know, just me though, just me by myself <laughs> um, You can do both voices
1: <laughs> Exactly
0: um, Yeah, I think that's it On behalf of Emily, Ross, Nina and our producer Todd, this is Reeve Thanks for listening Could, would you let me put my computer on top of your box? If you know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez.